but so far as unprecedented. This fund is an emergency fund, and I keep giving this analogy. When your house is burning and someone comes, what you are looking for is, can you give me water so that we stop the fire? You don't say, please give me money to start rebuilding in the fire. And this fund is an emergency fund for us to say, can we stop the fire? There's no intervention in Ghana that has been done on this level. And I think it's very clear, and I think we've underplayed it and really underestimated it. And I think we're, we're looking at it in a totally different light. Chief Executive Officer of Vodafone Ghana, Patricia Bonai, also noted that they are also committed to tailor-made solutions to help businesses rebound. The, the competition is changing and introducing technology. And so we started having this discussion on sharing our experiences, our insights with, 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 our, with our small enterprises. And I think the team have been fantastic. Um, with all the safety protocols, sometimes just being on phone, calling customers, how do we support you and sharing the experience? Patricia Bonai is the Chief Executive Officer of Vodafone Ghana. And in our business journal for today, Lake Bosumtree in the Ashanti region has been described as the biggest natural lake in the West African region and has offered a lot of employment opportunities to persons living in and around that area. But with new research by the Water Resources Commission on declining fish species, what will be the fate of the immediate communities? Lava firm's Nanaya Ojima has more in today's business journal. The name of this water is Lake Bosom Tree. We have 22 communities around this lake. The length of the lake is 20 kilometers, 14 miles. And the area of the lake is 16 kilometers, 10 miles. The deep is 78 meters, which is 234 feet down. Prince Mensa is one of the teenagers who act as tour guides here. This beauty over the years is gradually losing its beauty and quality. Fish species were once numbering over 10, but had reduced significantly. Fortunately, Tilapia bosomana, an endemic fish species, is one of the few species left in the lake. Senior Basin Officer Abena Dufie Redu Breman says enforcing bylaws on the lake is first step towards protecting it. There's a day that is set up like a, a free day that nobody is supposed to go fishing. But unfortunately, this law is not being adhered to. And uh, communities are fishing every day in the lake. So there's a lot of pressure on the lake. It's the areas that the fish spawn or breed should be left untouched. People are fishing these small fingerlings. And people are also cutting the vegetation where the fish hide and spawn. Vegetation cover along the lake is being cleared for planting cultivation. Huge acreage of land across 22 communities around Bosom Train has been affected. Chemicals used on these farms are washed into the lake, destroying living organisms which are already exposed to excessive sunshine. Asantehine Land Restoration Project is a joint intervention by the Mensha Palace and Ohinebapoku Foundation to reverse the trend. Coordinator Fred Chase Sapon speaks of an intervention to encourage responsible farming outside the lake's buffer zone. 
we clear we clear the land we leave the bush to dry up and then decompose on the land so that we can cover a wide surface area and then maintain the soil moisture so we don't do seasonal planting we can do all year around planting and then make sure that we limit the use of agrochemicals cessation of farming along the lake will be prioritized under the program. Asantehne Land Restoration Project says it is relying on chiefs in affected communities to plant trees on illegal farms. Amekomhine Nana Edumensansari is chairman. But the people have lived there over the years. That is where they have been farming. So to go and say that uh, we need this uh, portion of land for this purpose, you must appeal to the person's conscience. And that's how we end the Joy Business Report at one. But before we go, let's take a look at our stop stories. Manufacturing sector has been identified as the biggest beneficiary of more than 7 billion CDs support for enterprises by commercial banks. And also businesses have been taxed to look beyond government stimulus package and turning around their enterprises. My name is Amelie Josu and do have a good afternoon. As we continue to fight COVID-19 together, EcoBank offers you several ways to stay home, stay safe, and take control of your finances. Use EcoBank Mobile whenever, wherever, with or without an EcoBank account to send money through SMS and email. Also buy airtime, pay bills, and much more from the comfort of your home. For high-value transactions, use our internet banking services. EcoBank QR code enables you to make cashless digital payments when paying for goods and services. Download the EcoBank Mobile today from the Google Play Store, App Store, or from our Facebook page. Additionally, dial the short code star 770 hash from any phone and start transacting. EcoBank cares. Remember to observe social distancing, wash your hands frequently, and don't touch your face. For further assistance, can we call EcoBank Contact Center on 3225 anytime, any day. Toll free. Stay home, stay safe. EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank.
the locker room. Hello, I'm Sarah Mulkerns, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the very best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Excitement fills the air with the wind of elite European club football blowing across. Football fans world over in unison and with one accord, welcome the UEFA Champions League tonight. There's UEFA Champions League action, a live commentary on Joy 99.7 FM in four hours with four last 16 ties to be concluded before the competition moves on to the Novel final stages in Lisbon next week. It's been almost five months since Liverpool lost to Atletico Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain knocked out Borussia Dortmund on the last night of Champions League games before COVID-19 shut down football across the continent. It's now time to pick up from where we left off. It's a good cross and there's the goal. It is Lucas Toussaint. Played through. What a chance for Ronaldo. He's taken one now. Made that one look effortless. There's a slip by Aspen Equator. Lewandowski falls it back. And there's the goal, which is smashed in by Serge Gnabry. Loves scoring goals in London in the Champions League. The German international. The Chelsea mistake. Punished by Bayern. The ball above everybody. The head is coming. Pedalcieri tries to load the goalkeeper and succeeds. Superbly taken by Aguero as Manchester City lead by a goal to nil. Lovely dribble, Mabry. He plays it into standing by Coburn. Coburn gets the first goal for Bayern Munich. All he needed to do was side for the ball down to the right hand side of goalkeeper Gazzanega. The red flags will go up again in the Lance Arena. They lead by one goal to nil. We already know that PSG will play RB Leipzig and Atletico Madrid will face Atlanta in the quarterfinals. With the games to come tonight and tomorrow, deciding the lineup for the other last eight ties. Also coming up, Lewis Hamilton praying that the checkered flag comes as soon as is humanly possible. The gap between Hamilton and Verstappen going down all the time. 20 seconds at the moment. As down the hangar straight comes Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen just going through. You can see him in the background. Going through Chapel, through Stone now with Lewis Hamilton. There. Well, they shouldn't catch him from there, but who knows how this race is going to end. Can we win this? 
you get on with it. If you get on with it, it's the right instruction through the veil chicane. Look how difficult it was to stop. But for Lewis Hamilton, the checkered flag will come in the nick of time for a seventh British Grand Prix victory and a record seventh British Grand Prix victory for the most wins at home. It's Lewis Hamilton who takes the race. When 21 cars lined up on the grid at the converted Second World War airfield in 1950, it marked the start of a championship that will grow exponentially, create heroes, and build a fan base of millions. Now, after 1,022 races at 71 seconds in 32 countries, featuring 765 different drivers, Formula One is back where it all began for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Silverstone will host a second of back-to-back races in Britain after last weekend's British Grand Prix at the same venue for the fifth round of the 2020 campaign. We preview the big occasion this weekend and ask if there's any way back for Ferrari this season. If you'd like to send us a message on the show, we'd love to read them via social media accounts. Joy slash 9907 on Facebook, 0244340437 on WhatsApp, at Joy Sports GH on Twitter. And we'll give you the chance to phone in until end of the show on 0302216541. And we ask which of the clubs left can win the UEFA Champions League this season. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Adley Jr. and welcome. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Hello, this is the sound of Preview Friday. I'm George Adler Jr. and definitely time to get into our discussions for the afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk Formula One and we'll spend the rest of the time talking about the UEFA Champions League. On today's show, you have a great opportunity to call us and tell us what your expectations are ahead of the restart of the Champions League. So tonight we've got Real Madrid, uh, you know, up against Manchester City. And there is Juventus also up against Lyon on the other side. Updates for you plus live commentary here on Joy 99.7 FM. But now we have to do the Formula 1 talk and guess who's joining me in the studio. Raymond Yamado is here, our in-house expert when we come to the uh, Formula 1 action. Raymond, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, George. Yeah, good. There's football to come from Raymond later on. Uh, Apologies, your your club is not part of the Champions League, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you can deal with it. I'm sure you can deal with it, of course, because your <laughs> your rivals are also not in us. Are not in as well. Like Liverpool are not in it, so I think you should be fine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Generally, okay, all right. So let's talk about you know um, the Grand Prix Silverstone back to back races. We are back there again after all the drama we saw. Uh, last weekend with uh, Lewis Hamilton finishing on a, on a punctured tie. I mean, it, <laughs> you couldn't have believed that was going to happen. But again, you felt that Red Bull perhaps could have taken smarter decisions and uh, would have given themselves a chance of probably winning that. Very, very quickly, just tell me what your impressions were uh, that Grand Prix. Well, it was quite interesting. And for me, I would have expected that um, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas would have won that race. It was definitely going to be a one-two for Mercedes, but for the tie failures. Mm. And, you know, it was quite dramatic. And that was one of the races that saw two safety cars on. Yeah. Uh, we saw that Kiat crash. Mm. And we also saw Albon struggle. And so it was it was quite an eventful race. But the race itself looked like it was um, a foregone conclusion yeah, for yeah. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton yeah. And so I don't think that Red Bull even felt that they were in it because it was a point where, you know, 
uh, Max Verstappen was even third, and mm-hmm. so you know they won't have thought that it was it was it was a race they were going to win. And you even you know think of the fact that they got Max Verstappen on softer tires to actually you know complete that fastest mm-hmm. lap, mm-hmm. you know just to make sure they had more points. And I, I don't think it was a race they knew they were going to win. Sure. And so yeah. you know what happened even at the end of that race, you know certainly was something that they didn't even expect. They didn't mm-hmm. But he did mm-hmm. he did well to he close won. the gap, yeah. you know on, my, on on Lewis Hamilton. But mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton showed his experience, he showed his and class, he, he showed his composure. And he won that race. It was quite eventful. But um, going into this weekend, I know you will take me to this. Yeah, weekend, we're going to this weekend. You know, it was good to see Charles Leclerc again now get on our podium. You know, the season, the season started. Things are rolling. Um, Valtteri Bottas will be. I don't know. I don't where going to place the fault because he was gunning for second, and in the end. He ended P11. <laughs> That's how dramatic <laughs> things can be. And uh, Charles Leclerc just stepped right in it. So it tells you sometimes that the teams have to take very, very good decisions uh, as they go through it. You know, pitting wasn't just quite good for well, that. Well, you, you, you know this um, Silverstone circuit is very power sensitive yes. uh, and it needs a lot of um, downforce. And that downforce definitely has an effect on the tyres as well. Mm-hmm. And you look at the fact that there were safety cars on the circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the drivers felt they could actually control the speed and, you know, just complete the race on one tyre or, you know, just making one pit stop. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of them were overtaken by events because of how long, you know, the tyres had to be on the circuit. And so, that affected Hamilton, that affected Bottas too along the way. And I think to a certain extent, um, Kiat's crash wasn't attributed to the tyres. I, I hear it was um, a technical fault that actually mm. caused the rim to overheat, that actually mm. caused that problem. And we saw a lot of tyre burst on that day. And definitely, because of the introduction of the safety gas, yes. and also the fact that most of the drivers didn't want to pit. But mm. I'm not expecting that to happen this weekend. Let's talk about this weekend, then. Uh, it's the 70th anniversary. Everybody's excited. This is where Formula One started. It should definitely strike Seminole Stadium. Hey, don't matter how you look at it. Um, Lewis Hamilton does very well at home. He's back there again after just uh, one race. What are you expecting? Well, George, interestingly, um, when the first race happened in 1950, uh, it was Giuseppe Farina who won it with the mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo chassis. And he actually won the fastest lap. He also won that race and he also started from pole position. And so any driver who wants to actually win the 70th anniversary and should be hoping for, you know, um, he'll be hoping to actually win a lot of, you know, titles, <laughs> winning a lot of bonuses as well. So probably the fastest lap, probably starting from pole and winning the race itself. But I think that what we saw last weekend would repeat itself um, with, with regards to the tie failures, <laughs> because we really have told us that they've taken the, you know, they've, they've introduced softer ties. Um, they've taken it a step softer than what we saw last weekend, and so that's definitely not going to happen again. And I'm expecting that a lot of teams will manage their ties very well. A lot of management will come in because this circuit is very, very, very power sensitive. So, so you, a lot you, of you, you, you know, you, you, you do suspect there's going to be a lot of. Being cautious, yeah, a lot of a lot of teams being cautious, and I'm sure because of what happened last week, we might see teams, you know, actually adopted two pit stops mm. or probably three pit stops mm. just to make sure you know, they wear out the tyres as, as, as much as they can. They mm. they are safe when it comes to the tyres. And so, I'm expecting a very competitive race this weekend. And George, if you look at the the, the, the leaderboard, mm. Lewis Hamilton has opened a 30 points lead, mm. you know, over his closest rival um, Valtteri Bottas. And we all know Lewis Hamilton. He knows how to consolidate points when it comes to winning yeah, championships. Yeah, yeah, and so, there's no way back for you already? The, I, I, I think that there's no way back, back for anybody. And if you look at that, if you look at the driver's you know, on the on the circuit this season, apart from Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen, it's very difficult to point out point out who could actually win races in mm. this year's competition. Mm. Mm. Vettel is out there. I don't think that Vettel is interested in racing this season. Mm. I think that we've seen some brilliant performances from Lance Stroll, 
Paul from Lando Norris and the likes. But I still think that if you are looking out for those who can win races, I don't think Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc you know, has shown enough. And, and, enough. and again, that you made the point about Ferrari and, and, and that they feel, well, we probably lost out in all of this anyway. I mean, let's, let's just see how the season goes because, well, updates upon updates and nothing is really changing for them. I mean, if Valtteri Bottas didn't make that or if he didn't have that problem he had last weekend, it would have been yeah, a number one, two. one, two. Yeah. And there will be Max Verstappen, you know, right there. So I think for Ferrari, um, they went for more downforce this season. Mm. And so he actually traded off their speed yeah. for a lot more downforce. And so it's, it's actually affected them because Ferrari, as we know, used to have the fastest chassis on the circuit. Mm. But this season, they're not the fastest car. And yeah. that tells you, you know, going for the downforce has affected them to a certain extent. And coupled with the fact that you have two drivers who don't seem to get along, I, I'm tempted to believe those two drivers get along mm. Vettel and Charles Leclerc <laughs> and so Charles Leclerc is on the circuit doing what he can do mm. but he doesn't seem to get the support he would have needed yeah. from his wingman um, Sebastian Vettel mm-hmm. and so it's really affected Ferrari because we're expecting that this season they were actually going to you know step up to the plate and deliver but it, it seems like Red Bull and McLaren and the likes are rather you know dominating the it's pace a strange season. Uh, ahead well, of Carlos them Sainz, so, Carlos Sainz knows that they are moving to Ferrari and, and quite a number of drivers know where, where, they're, we, moving where they're moving to so well their allegiance even to your there has been a lot of talk about um, Sebastian Vettel yes. moving to Racing Point. Yes, that would be mm-hmm. uh, that would be Aston Martin yes. next season. That's right. And so there's a lot of talk about that. I think mm-hmm. they've delayed the announcement because of Sergio Perez um, yeah. issue. And so I'm expecting Vettel to stay <laughs> in Formula One next season mm-hmm. and probably joining Racing Point or yeah, Racing Point that will turn into um, Aston Martin. So for me, I think that this weekend's race will be exciting. I don't see the Ferrari drivers making it into the top three. Mm-hmm. I think that. We are going to see Max Verstappen actually show that he can win races. Right. We are going to see Lewis Hamilton dominate this mm. race. Valtteri Bottas definitely should, should bounce back stronger. And so, whoever starts from pole definitely should be should good be. value to win in this And show. you make the points. We're looking forward to the qualifying. Uh, that should be starting. I think I saw uh, most of the guys getting ready. We're right yeah. in Birmingham. Silverstone in the United Kingdom. And yet, we'll find out what happens. 70th anniversary of um, Formula 1. It's a big occasion. Big occasion. And we'll see how it all goes. You're still here. On the locker room, enjoy 99.7 FM. It's now time to begin to switch things up. Let's talk some football now and let's uh, go for the Joy Sports BBC two way series. I had a great chat with the BBC's Rob Schofield. We touched on all the transfer, I mean, transfer rumors. Manchester United, Jaden Sancho, yes, Arsenal, Willen, what's happening out there? Plus, what should we expect from Fulham? Enjoy this. We're back with more. Thanks for your time this weekend. Let's begin with a promoted Fulham who secured an immediate return to the Premier League via Championship player final against Brentford. How good has Scott Parker's side been and what should we expect from them? Well, yes, George, I think Scott Parker deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done at Fulham. As you say, straight back up into the Premier League via the playoffs. And I think really when you consider the the surgery that was needed on this squad really uh, Fulham were in a real state when they went down and although uh, Scott Parker's side have struggled slightly since the restart and, and dropped out of contention for automatic promotion they got the job done through the playoffs beating Brentford at Wembley was so important for them and in terms of what we can expect I think what Scott Parker has foreshadowed this week is that the club has learned 
from the issues and the mistakes they made when going up into the Premier League last time. So Fulham won promotion from the second tier via the playoffs two years ago, but a very, very expensive recruitment drive saw them spend well over $120 million. They went down after only just one season. Many managers as well tried to keep them up. We saw Slavis Dijakanovic take Fulham up only to be given the boot. Uh, Claudia Ranieri, the Premier League winner, took charge, couldn't do the job and Scott Parker, even as caretaker uh, with a spell in charge, couldn't save Fulham from the drop. But they've stuck with him. He has got that team back playing under him and I think the club will come up with a much more holistic and realistic view of their place in the Premier League. I don't expect them to be as quite as gung-ho as they were last time. Scott Parker's got a much more uh, controlled grip on how he wants this team to play. They're more possession-based. They are much more cautious than they were a couple of seasons back. Uh, but Fulham back in the Premier League, a team who've got good Premier League pedigree. We'll see what Scott Parker can achieve this time around. The European Champions League returns this weekend, of course. There are four outstanding last 16 second legs to complete before the teams head to Lisbon. And we have live commentary here on Joy 99.7 FM. So let's start with tonight's games. Manchester City hosts Real Madrid. And remember, Man City are 2-1 up while Leon head to Juventus leading by a goal to nail. How do you see these ties going? Well, starting with Manchester City, Real Madrid. Uh, City lead this one 2-1 from the first leg over 160 days ago now. It's crazy how long it's been, the, how long the Champions League has been paused on hold for but uh, City have these two crucial away goals so defence is key for them but only two clean sheets in 11 Champions League games, uh, knockout games that is, would suggest that Guardiola has to have a plan here for Real Madrid who look very different uh, from the side that was sucker punched by City twice in February. They've taken 30 points from 30 to win La Liga after the restart. They look fit, united, hungry and we must remember of course that Zinedine Zidane only wins this competition. The record 13-time winners of the Champions League uh, look like a much fiercer prospect uh, than they did uh, five or so months ago. No Sergio Aguero for Manchester City, no Sergio Ramos for Real Madrid. Two big misses. Uh, I think this one is set up really intriguing uh, in this second leg at the Etihad. Uh, as for Juventus, Leon, well, Juventus's pursuit of the Champions League has become an obsession, hasn't it? Trying to end this 24-year wait. It's a, it's a need for them, not a want anymore. They've brought in Ronaldo. He's 35 years old now. They've built this squad around him. Maurizio Sarri's been brought in to try and play more aesthetically pleasing football. Well, they've won a ninth straight league title in Serie A but only by a point and they lost seven games uh, to do it they're not looking as convincing in my opinion Juventus as they have in seasons gone by their unbreakable defence is suddenly looking slightly fallible they've conceded 40 goals in Serie A this season and they're scoring less as well four teams finished with more goals than them in Serie A this season but of course they do have a get out of jail free card as it were in the knockout stage of the Champions League in Cristiano Ronaldo so Juventus come up against Leon trailing by a goal to nil Leon are trying to kind of rescue a disappointing and quite acrimonious season they missed uh, out on European football uh, with Ligue 1 being cancelled during the pandemic Leon go into this game having only played one competitive match uh, since March that was the French League Cup final they played five at the back 
in preparation, I think, for this game. They lost uh, to PSG on penalties, but defended pretty well. In terms of what they've got going for them in this tie, Memphis Depay, their captain, their match winner, back from a knee injury that kept him out of the first leg. He says they're not afraid of Juventus. They've got nothing to lose, uh, and they will give it all their all uh, against Maurizio Sarri's side, I believe. The one thing, as I said, that may go against them, they may not be quite as match fit. So it could be a little bit attack versus defence between Juventus and Lyon in the final stages. Rob, on Saturday, Bayern will look to finish the job against Chelsea with a three-goal lead. But could Barcelona struggle against Napoli? Yes, Barcelona. Well, this is a really sticky and tricky game for them. Kike Setien looks like he's just struggling to uh, find real harmony with his team. But Lionel Messi on a mission to end a five-year wait for this trophy. He is dictating the mood at the club, as well as most of their chances, naturally. Barcelona ended up second in La Liga. A run of three draws in four games cost them the title after the restart. Uh, they did win four of the last five, but rarely really convinced. They only reached the quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey, so really their season hinges on this. Uh, they, of course, have Lionel Messi, and you can never overlook his ability to carry them uh, to a one-off win. But really, in terms of uh, how the club looks, they've got injuries in defence with Samuel Titi and Clement Longley uh, out. Uh, suspensions in midfield, Sergio Busquets and uh, Arturo Vidal will miss this game. And I think that will only make them even more reliant on Lionel Messi. The, the club is drifting, it's divided. The presidential elections are casting real clouds of doubt over, over Barcelona. They are struggling financially. President Bartomeu came out and ruled out the signings of Neymar and Lautaro Martinez uh, because they just can't spend big, he says, for the next four or five years. They have an excessive, a heinous wage bill. They've lost well over $200 million during the pandemic. And I've even seen reports that their wage bill uh, accounts for 83% of the club's turnover they are really in a mess and if this doesn't go their way it could really spark some changes at the club and Napoli are looking really good going into this they've turned into a really efficient cup side under Gennaro Gattuso they beat Lazio Inter and Juventus to lift the Coppa Italia and he's really turned the club around from playing mutinies at the end of last year to trying to play for a first Champions League quarterfinal in their history and when you look at how they finished the season, they just look so dangerous in one-off games. They've always got the weapons to hurt teams in Dries Mertens, uh, Lorenzo Insigne and Jose Callahan. And although their defence looks slightly more precarious than it has in, in seasons gone by, Gattuso will be well up for this match. And I think Barcelona may well be relying on their 35-match Champions League unbeaten run at home uh, that stretches back to 2013. Uh, not many teams go to the new Camp and win in the Champions League, but rarely have Barcelona looked as fallible as they do now. This is a really interesting one, tied at one apiece. It could well come down to some Lionel Messi magic. So Rob, we know that the Champions League and the Europa League will look very different when they return for the quarterfinal stages. What can we expect? Well, yes, yeah, so the Champions League will be completed in Lisbon in the quarterfinal stage, while the Europa League will head to four cities across Germany to play out the last eight. And this will operate in a bubble, as we've seen with numerous sports trying to get back going again during the pandemic. And it was so important for UEFA to try and navigate the sporting calendar and find a place for their high-profile tournaments. They have done. It will feel a very much, I believe, like an international tournament, like a, a Euros or something like that, but it will be fantastically intense. 
all the best teams in Europe competing over a very short period of time, a few weeks, and we're going to see some really intriguing games. And what's most exciting, I think, about this is its one-off knockout competition. And I think it really gives some of the smaller teams a real chance. From what I'm hearing across Europe, some of the large, big, established European giants are really nervous about what a team like Atalanta, for example, could do in a one-off knockout tie. When you look at uh, who they've got, PSG, for example, they've probably not got a better chance to win the Champions League than they have now in a much easier side of the bracket, it must be said, when the quarter-final draw was made. But when they come up against a team that scored over 90 goals in the City A season, they're unpredictable. No home advantage. It's been a long season. And PSG, especially when you consider in their circumstance, they've only played two games since March. And they're taking on a really dangerous Atalanta side, for example, who are well in their stride, coming off uh, finishing well in Serie A. For the Europa League, well, this one's set up for some big teams still involved and a ticket, of course, into next season's Champions League. A huge motivation. Rob, let's end with some transfer news and how close are Manchester to signing Jadon Sancho from Borussia Dortmund? Well, George, this looks like it's going to be the saga of the transfer window, doesn't it? Borussia Dortmund want a deal done by the 10th of August. That's Monday, so that they can try and get a replacement in. Manchester United are threatening to walk away if the price of well over $100 million is not reduced. This is standard negotiating, really. Nothing really new. Dortmund tried to put uh, a bit of a deadline on it, but it must be said that coronavirus has had a financial impact, and both these clubs are very much not immune. In fact, they're two of the biggest losers in terms of gate receipts across Europe. When you just consider that Manchester United lost about $7 million on Wednesday in their behind-closed-doors game against the Austrian side Lask in the Europa League at Old Trafford, it really does put into perspective how much these clubs are losing money. The transfer deadline in Europe is the 5th of October. This could last until then quite easily, although Manchester United have been burnt in the past by not paying the fees that clubs want. Harry Maguire, for example, they chased all of last summer only to finally stump up the funds needed to prize him away from Leicester. Manchester United want England winger Jadon Sancho. Borussia Dortmund happy to sell, but only for the right price. Arsenal as well are in the rumour mill. They appear to be settling on Chelsea's Willian. What more do we know and how would he do at Arsenal? Well, George, Willian to Arsenal makes sense, doesn't it? Willian is a proven Premier League player who, at 31 years old, still has a lot to give. He's a free agent, so Arsenal, who are pretty strapped for cash, are getting a well-established player who can bolster their front line. What may make slightly less sense is the length of the deal that I'm hearing reported. Three years is quite a lot for a 31-year-old winger. But the ball is in Williams' court, and like David Luiz, who left Chelsea for Arsenal, this is what we're seeing more and more players running down their contracts and then having all the negotiating power when trying to sign for a new club. The most important deal for Arsenal is unquestionably that for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who scored two goals in the semi-finals of the FA Cup and then scored two goals in the final against Chelsea to see them lift the trophy. Plenty of reports that things are getting close to also a three-year deal for Aubameyang. But this all comes with a cost. And Arsenal, we heard, are looking to make 55 staff redundancies because of the financial impact of the coronavirus pandemic. This doesn't sit all too well with fans, even though this is a difficult time during the COVID-19 crisis. We must remember that Arsenal are paying Mesut Ozil, for example, 
almost $400,000 a week. And he can't even get in the match day squad. They're looking to offer Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang $300,000 a week. But that is the key deal to secure the services of their star striker, their captain, their most important player. Mikel Arteta has said that he wants to build the squad around him. You feel like Arsenal could go either way, depending on whether they get the Aubameyang deal done. But this does all have a financial cost. So the BBC's Rob Schofield there with the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. It's now time to get into our UEFA Champions League chat. And remember, tonight we've got live commentary for you. Manchester City up against Real Madrid. They lead by two goals to one. And we'll have the second tie right in or at the Etihad. Let me remind you that we'll be activating our fold lines at one uh, fifty, so you can get to call us and uh, tell us what you're expecting tonight in the UEFA Champions League and of course who you think will be winning overall. The number to call then will be 0302216541. So now time just to get into the action. There's a slip by Aspilicueta, Lewandowski pulls it back and there's the goal, which is smashed in by Serge Gnabry. Loves scoring goals in London in the Champions League, the German international, the Chelsea mistake, punished by Bayern. The ball above everybody, the head is coming, the Pope re-saves and got equalizer for Chelsea at the top of bread. In the wildest dreams of any Chelsea fan, how did they count from four goals to two to four? Square in the penalty area, tries to load the goalkeeper and succeeds. Superbly taken by Aguero as Manchester City lead by a goal to nil. Lovely dribble, Gabri. He plays it into Stunning Mars. Coleman! Coleman gets the first goal for Bayern Munich. All he needed to do was side for that ball. Down to the right hand side of goalkeeper Gazzanega. The red flags will go up again in the Leans Arena. They lead by one goal to nil. Messi takes over, Messi's shot, it is a magnificent goal, it's gone from one end of the field, scintillating stop. So Callahan, Insignia scores, 30 seconds shy of 90 minutes, and Napoli have snatched the lead. Our job is to find the two who will join the rest in the quarterfinals tonight and tomorrow. So live commentary here on Joy 99.7 FM. Raymond Yamado and Oriku Ampo for joining me in studio. And once you hear the anthem, you feel like a player. You feel like you're walking out of the tunnel right onto the, <laughs> the last green pitch to do some action. Uh, just what are you expecting? But before we do that, I want to get to you, Raymond, on, on what you love the most during the 
Joy UCL coverage. I'm sure you've been listening, you have been a part of it yourself. But when you're back and listening into what do you love the most? Well, the intriguing commentary. I mean, it's okay. absolutely spot on. Vivid mm. description of everything that's happening on the page. So you like yeah, the description? So for me, Sm- absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I love the Joy Sports that's, that's what you. That's what you love. Uruk Ampofo, yes, you're part of the team as well. Uh, which of the moments you look forward to the most? Uh, I always look forward to the not so important match because that's what I get to describe. So uh, tonight, for instance, yes. uh, Juventus versus Lyon. Uh, it, it looks, it is important. Yeah. But you you pitch it against that Real Madrid Man City game, uh, the match at Etihad slightly edges it. So I'll be looking forward to that Juventus versus Lyon game mm-hmm. as I'll be bringing you detailed information on as it happens. Ulrich one puzzle there. I tried. I put this question up, and a lot of the fans were coming in and talking about the introduction. They like the way the show starts. So I just thought, can we remind you guys of the the last time we were on on air? That was Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid. You remember that game, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was dramatic. This is, this is how we started, just to give you a tease and whet your appetite for tonight's coverage. The six-time champions will want more, may demand more, because they maybe deserve more this season, aside the 30-year-old Premier League curse disappearing. The Roji Blancas have not been themselves. But that's the requirement for an upset and a very welcome on their grounds. Liverpool are riding a wave back home. Atletico Madrid are paddling furiously to stay in contention for second spot or even maybe in the top four. So we bubble towards the end of this engrossing Champions League campaign. You're welcome to join us on Joy 99.7 FM. Affiliates across the country, around the world at myjoyonline.com for a European night of genuinely big business. Hello, I'm George Alder Jr. Alongside me in commentary position, Gary Al Smith. And Gary, surely the roots to the Champions League eminence is via round of 16 excellence, which begins tonight, surely. You can't get to the final if you don't pass through the round of 16. You've got to be in it to win it. So says somebody called George Andrew Jr. in our preview video. If you saw it on Facebook, yeah, it was there. And in between there, a giant Ghanaian flag will be failing. Well, not failing while he's playing on the pitch, but it will be making all of us proud. Thomas Pate is in there, number five. And we, in your ear, in your car, in your room, in your office, are at number one. And we are 99.7. I'm Gary Smith. Hello. Hello to everybody, and it's good to have you back. And it's great to have you back, guys. Raymond Yamado, we have games to look forward to tonight. Manchester City have to deal with Real Madrid. They lead by two goals to one. And uh, what are your expectations back then? Well, George, if this game had been played in March, I think that Real Madrid would have lost this game mm-hmm. because you look at what was happening to Real Madrid at the time. Um, between February and March, Real Madrid had hit a very bad run of form. Uh, yeah. You look at the seven games they played before the COVID and force break. They had lost as many as four games in all competitions. They had won just two and they had drawn one game. And you look at the way that defeat came to Man- came at uh, in the game they played against Manchester City, mm-hmm. you would actually tell that Zinedine Zidane was out of sorts a bit. He was clearly figuring his side. I think that post-COVID break, mm. Real Madrid have found their mojo. Mm. And so we are going to see a different beast in Real Madrid in this particular game. This is a Real Madrid team that has played in the Champions League consistently. They've won it 13 times. They know how to play the Champions League. They know how to win titles. Mm. They know how to come back from defeats. They know how to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. That is this Real Madrid side. And I think there's anything Zidane. You look at his performances in the last 11 matches post-COVID. Mm. He's been able to win as many as 10 of them. There are time, There were times he had to grind out results. 
just to make sure that Real Madrid were still in the running for the for the La Liga title. I think that Real Madrid is one of the teams that has benefited most from the COVID break, and you would see it reflect in the game to play against Manchester City. That notwithstanding, I think that Manchester City are a very decent side. They know no how to chance. process the ball very well. They know how to create chances. They score a lot of goals, mm. and so that also is a very good asset for them. But you look at the game itself, and it's going to be a matter of which team needs it most. Mm. And for me, I think that Pep Guardiola wants to make history in this Manchester City team because for all the talk about Manchester, uh, for all the talk about Pep Guardiola being a top-notch coach, yeah. he hasn't been able to replicate his Barca form in the Champions League at Bayern Munich and at Manchester City. Perfect opportunity for him. He has one foot in the next round of the competition and he would want his Manchester City team to actually go out there and play Real Madrid off the park. But, George, it's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, the first goal definitely will decide will well, the, the, the direction of this game. But, uh, I still think that um, Real Madrid may just have slightly too much for Man City to deal with. I think that if Zinedine Zidane wants to get something out of this game, he may just be watching that FA Cup tie between Manchester City and Arsenal. He may again watch that game between Manchester City and Southampton. And possibly, I think that his solutions and that game between Manchester City and Chelsea, maybe he might find solutions to this Manchester City attack Mm. in there. And Mm. I don't think Aguero will be featuring in this game. And so, uh, up front, um, Manchester City will be relying on Gabriel Jesus to do the magic for them. Raheem Sterling to do the magic for them. Can Real Madrid play these boys out of the game? Big one. That's the biggest question of the <laughs> night. And without Sergio Ramos, it's okay. definitely going to be a tough so, one. So but but it's, it's, it's going to be a very difficult uh, one. But I you are going that, for Real Madrid. I think that Real, going Madrid, for Real Madrid. Real Madrid may now, just edge this one. Now you know what? When, when you get on the phone line, um, when you get through, uh, via the number zero three zero two two one six five four one, you have to make a choice between Zidane or Pep Guardiola in the Champions League. Tonight, the two meet. We just have to choose one. So, uh, when, when, you, when you just arrive, let's know what you think. Pep to win the Champions League or Pep to continue <laughs> on the path of trying to win the Champions League or Zidane to make it through. Let's hear from you on our WhatsApp, I mean, on our WhatsApp line, 0244-340-437. And then you can call now on 0302 what do you think? Raymond is tilting, yeah, towards the Real Madrid side. What do you think? I think, yes, as he rightly mentioned, it will be a very balanced side, not just on the pitch, but if you look at these two managers, and uh, despite Guardiola winning uh, one less Champions League than Zinedine Zidane, they, they are pretty dominant, both of them, when it comes to the knockout round. Zidane is still yet to lose a match in the knockout stages of the Champions League, and for Guardiola, he's won 28 knockout ties. So... Even though he might not be winning, he usually tends to go a bit far. And that's around the semi-final stage. And most probably go out after losing on away goals or uh, maybe losing that odd game. But both managers do find it very difficult to lose, especially in the Champions League knockout stage. Which just makes it a very intriguing encounter to look forward to. But you just get that feeling that the two away goals might be what Manchester City can lay back on. Uh, you usually do need a little bit of a slack heading into such high-octane games. And with uh, the advantage being with Manchester City in terms of the goals, uh, I would lay a little bit towards uh, Pep Guardiola edging this one out. And that's because I think that the key man for Real Madrid, we speak a lot about how Real Madrid have been reborn after the coronavirus and forced lockdown. Uh, but one of the key figures in that reinforcement has been Sergio Ramos. And unfortunately, he'll be missing the game 
game tonight. And uh, you, you, you look beyond the goals that he scored uh, in the last 10 games of the La Liga. And it's just something about him. He doesn't know when to say no. And it just rubs off him towards the players. He's a good leader. He knows how to inspire. He never says never. And he's the type of player that you would need in your team when you're trying to come down from a 2-1 uh, margin. So Zinedine Zidane would be losing a lot in that aspect. Now, defensively, I don't think Real Madrid uh, have been that good, especially in the Champions League themselves. Even the Champions League campaign, uh, if you do put it uh, under the spotlight, it's not been a great campaign. Remember, they needed a win in the last match day to be able to qualify as the second place, uh, losing against PSG 3-0 and then drawing 2-2 a PSG and then 2-2 a Club Bruges as well. So they've considered quite a number of goals. They've not really performed in the big games and uh, they're facing the Man City side who, as Raymond said, this really is their last uh, opportunity at anything big this season. And uh, if they fail to go far in this Champions League no one is going to remember them for the Europa League and that's what will be on Pep Guardiola's mind and the players mind they know that it's time to win the Champions League and that's what they'll be aiming for tonight so that's the first one to clear we've got the Juventus up against Leon. could be could be tricky could be tricky absolutely Leon leave this by one goal to nail Raymond what are you expecting another tough game and I think that Juventus have created a lot of problems for themselves and I say this because when the first leg tie was played I think that if the return leg had been played at the right time I'm sure Juventus would have had the upper hand in that game because they were in some kind of form at the time but you look at what they've done post-COVID uh, post the COVID break they've played 14 games they've drawn 3 they've lost 5 they've won 6 I think that you could say Juventus took their feet off the pedal a bit because they knew they had wrapped up the Scudetto but that notwithstanding look at their performances in their last 5 games clearly they lost to Roma they lost to Cagliari they lost to Udinese any team watching this Juventus team knows where they can actually be beaten you know they are there for the taking anytime you play against them Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't really lived up to expectation in this Champions League he scored just two goals for them and so clearly you can actually tell that Mauricio Sarri and his Juventus team are not the team to beat when you talk about the Champions League this season that notwithstanding I think that Lyon for me I think that their league was truncated very early on in the season they were not even the best team in, in, in France at the time mm-hmm. and at the time the league was truncated they were 7th in the league and so it clearly tells you that Lyon had all sorts of problems but in the Champions League they were able to at least show you know a bit of uh, a bit of consistency in the group stages and at this particular stage in the competition I think that they have some decent players in there Memphis Depay did not play in the first leg he's back for them he's got 5 goals already in the Champions League and he's one of the players you would expect to do a lot of damage in this team I think for Lyon crucially finding an away goal is what they'll be looking for in this game because Juventus have, were not able to score an away goal when they last met and so I think it's going to be a very difficult game but Juventus are there for the taking I don't think that the Juventus team we are seeing this season is the best Juventus team we've seen in, in, in recent Champions Leagues I think that this team under Mauricio Sarri looks a bit flat they look very ordinary they don't look like they have that creative spark they don't have anything to show for you know all the dominance they have on the ball and so for me I think that there's a game that could just you know, end up in the hands of Lyon. I, I, maybe Lyon may not win, and maybe Juventus may not win. I just see, I just see Lyon qualifying to the next. Lyon qualifying to it. What, what, what do you make of this one? They've got Ronaldo in there. I don't know even, even if it's still a factor, but Juventus up against Lyon. Uh, Rick Wampofo. Another big fixture, but I think it's not straightforward for Juventus to reach their fourth straight quarterfinal stage in the Champions League. They might have to pull something out of the magic hat. And I say this because of how good Lyon themselves have been. And uh, you could 
Hell in their last league performance against PSG uh, in that French Cup final. Despite losing, they managed to take a team with Neymar, uh, Icardi and Di Maria and Saravia uh, to extra time and to eventually penalties without them even scoring a single goal. So that tells you, uh, arguably, that is the most informed attack in Europe. And if they're able to shut them out to just about five shots on target in 120 minutes, then... This Juventus side, who have been flat in attack, shouldn't be so difficult for Lyon themselves. Uh, but as the Champions League comes with a different feeling, you do need experience to be able to see how your lead. Mm-hmm. But I think that Lyon just have something about them. And uh, the coronavirus break has also helped them in a bit. Uh, their, their man in form was Memphis Depay, who missed that first leg, along with Rene Adelaide. And uh, both of them are now fit and would be playing in that second leg. Remember, Lyon beat them without these two key, key players uh, back in front. And it's a very good result because you just need to score one. And now Juventus have to score three. So even if you're losing 2-0, you can still score one. And this is the Juventus side who have conceded 11 goals in their last five games. So you do see a goal in there for Lyon. And that means that Juventus would need to score uh, three more goals to, uh, to ensure that at least they're safe tonight. So it's a mountain to climb for Mauricio Sarri and Juventus. Uh, but Lyon, do you have the advantage? And it wouldn't be too far-fetched if I do put my money on Lyon. Mm. I think that they do have a fantastic lead, a very solid system of a 3-5-2 that they defend very well and they attack you as well. Juventus haven't been brilliant, especially at home, conceding goals. And uh, if they do concede again tonight, I don't see this Juventus side trouble. scoring three-plus goals. But they do have Ronaldo and anything can happen in the Champions League knockout round once you do have Ronaldo. Let's talk about tomorrow's game and we've got just two minutes to do that. Of course, I'm Chelsea, Bayern Munich, uh, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Chelsea down by three goals to nil. Uh, we expect the, the result. There can only be a miracle in the odd result. Probably not, not to talk about that so much. And um, just in line with that, our commentary for tomorrow is Barcelona-Napoli. It's one all between the two sides based on what Barcelona have done. Raymond, what are you expecting from Barcelona? Then? Well, the disappointment of not winning the La Liga should motivate Barcelona to actually go out there and perform. I think that this would be um, Kike Setien's second Champions League game for Barcelona. Uh, I stand to be corrected. But I think that um, Napoli themselves haven't been exciting. Napoli, we saw them in the Italian Serie I think they finished seventh this season. They were very disappointing. Uh, and you look at... Uh, Napoli travelling to Camp Nou uh, it's going to be a very difficult test for them I don't think that um, I don't think Napoli don't think really, do I don't think Gattuso sure, Gattuso are ready to get, to get the I think that there's a game Barcelona would dominate yeah, mm. and they've also benefited from some rest a bit they've mm. also benefited some mm. rest so I'm expecting Lionel Messi and his boys to actually get a job done I don't think that Napoli will pose any threats I don't think that Napoli will cause problems for this <laughs> Barcelona team Is it as simple as that you've been looking closely at that Barcelona team and see them struggle sometimes even in La Liga yeah, I think Barcelona have struggled and uh, the, the main issue has been how well they defend and they always tend to give away an opportunity to the opponent and uh, it's, a, it's a big one because Napoli themselves do have a very pacey front three that can trouble Barcelona's defence and uh, Setien might have to do a bit of it, uh, tinkering with his formation especially because Vidal and Busquets might be absent uh, I read reports that he might be starting with 3-5-2 depending on whether Griezmann might be fit if he is fit then he reverts to a 4-3-3 system uh, so it's a handicap squad that he has Dembele has returned to training but fortunately he did not make the squad and uh, would be wishing that Barcelona go past this and go to Portugal so that he has a chance of playing but it's still a 
game in the balance, 1 1. Barcelona do have that slight advantage of mm. that away goal as well. Right, let's see. We've got a few messages right now. Uh, this one has not been signed. It says, uh, Massa, no controversy. Real Madrid, go finish Man City shop. Uh, we've got another one there. It says, Okay, Gary, mark my words. All right. Um, you're expecting who to win? Let's see if we can pick that. Okay, you hear that? All right. Mark my words, Madrid will still through. So we got two Madrid fans coming through and predicting that, of course, Madrid are going through. Guys, let me say thank you very much. Welcome, Puffo. We'll hear from you shortly. We've got another message. Have you? Um, not quite, have we? Okay, so none of them is winning the Champions League. You mean Pep Guardiola or uh, Zidane, Zinedine Zidane? Thank you very much, Raymond, as well, uh, for joining us on the show. And remember that we're back uh, with live commentary on Joy 99.7 FM. That's about it for our show. And as Kojomeno, who's a Barcelona fan, is standing by, I'm sure he'll be hoping that somehow, somehow, Barcelona find a way through this. I'm, I'm very sure you're hopeful. You're hopeful, right? I can only do it. Come on, it's against Napoli. So, um, <laughs> some messy magic we'll just do, you know, tomorrow when we come away with that one. But, of course, we're starting tonight. A hashtag is UCL. Do join us. And as what have we got on the news, then? Joy Headline News are two with me and Estimane. The proprietor of the Bright Senior High School at Kukurantumi has been arrested after allegedly instigating students to vandalize school properties and attack invigilators. Eastern Regional Correspondent Coficiano reports the headmaster was about to address the press when he was picked up. He was about to speak to the media. But just as he was coming down from his office, we saw some police officers in a vehicle and they arrested him and took him.